Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and uh, glad to have you along on this Thursday recording. And with me today is Rick Saratella. He is the publisher and lead scout over at NFL Draft Bible, which is now part of the Fan Nation uh, network over at SI.com. He's... I think their site launches early next week, just in time for the Senior Bowl coverage. And Rick is here today to talk a little bit about the Senior Bowl, as well as give us some early impressions of the 2021 draft class. And Rick, my friend, always a pleasure to have you on. Always a pleasure to be here, Patricia, and appreciate the time. A lot of fun talking NFL draft with you. Always a lot of fun. And, you know, listen, for teams out of the playoffs, it's never too early to start. So let's start there, Rick. Can you give us an overall overview, if you will, of this draft class? Where's the strengths? Where are the weaknesses? And and, and where's the best value? Yeah, so, you know, this year's draft class, I think, is, is really going to be short on blue-chip talent. And what I mean by that, at the top of the draft, you know, the first half of the top round, you, you, you'll find plenty of great talent there. And I think, you know, once you get past the initial 15 to 20 players that we have solid first round grades on, I think then, you know, those guys from 20 to 60, a lot of them are, are bunched up. And I think, you know, you could see a lot of teams trying to trade back. Um, quarterbacks are, are going to be a theme in, in round one, and I'll dive into that in just a second. But we, we saw a historic almost uh, rookie wide receiver class this year in the NFL and this year's uh, rookie wide receiver class could rival that uh, you talk about guys like Devonta Smith who won the Heisman Trophy at the wide receiver position Jamar Chase who a lot of people consider to be uh, one of the top five prospects in this year's draft you talk about Jalen Waddle who uh, before he went down to injury, was actually the best wide receiver there on that Alabama team. And, you know, then you got some of these bigger body guys like a, a Rashad Bateman of Minnesota uh, who can play outside. And then you've got a guy like a Rondell Moore or a Kadarius Tony from, from Purdue and Florida. Tony is one of those players who will be down there at the Senior Bowl. So I, I could see maybe close to a half a dozen wide receivers come off the board in round one. It's that good. It's that talented. And then, you know, um, tight ends, too. If you need a pass catcher, there are some really good-looking tight ends in this year's draft. Kyle Pitts leading the charge there. Uh, but then you also have players, I think, on day two, like a Pete Fryer move uh, with, with the baby Gronk moniker uh, over at Penn State and um, – you know, Brevin Jordan from Miami, who I think is a Jordan Reed clone. So if you need a pass catcher, um, you know, this is this is the year to do it. In terms of the Giants, you know, I think what the Giants need to do is root for some of these teams to kind of trade up for one of these quarterbacks because they're picking at 11. And I think you've got Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Zach Wilson probably uh, – pretty safe bets to go inside the top 10. Now, do teams jump up and, and move up for a guy like Mac Jones from Alabama or 
Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Well, the more teams do that, the better it is for the Giants because then they have a chance. They, they clearly are not in the market for a quarterback. So they would be able to maybe get one of their top five players on the board who are non-quarterback prospects. And, you know, we can kind of dive into who some of those potential targets could be for the Giants at 11. You know, you, you mentioned uh, being at number 11 for the Giants. It, uh, if I'm understanding you correctly, it doesn't sound like they're in an ideal draft spot this year because of, you know, how things potentially are bunching up there. Is that correct? So when you look at the Giants, you, you want to say, hey, we, we need some playmaking ability for Daniel Jones. And at number 11, I think you have a situation where we mentioned Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, the number one and number two wide receiver prospects are probably off the board. And then Kyle Pitts, I have currently in my mock draft coming out next week, I have him coming off the board at number five, believe it or not, to the Cincinnati Bengals. I think he would be a great security blanket underneath for Joe Burrow. I, I think it's, you know, Panay Sewell is a guy who probably comes off the board before the Bengals get to pick, and it's probably too high to take the second-best offensive lineman there. So I think Pitts comes off the board. I think Chase and Smith come off the board. And so at that point, do the Giants kind of force a playmaker? Do they force, you know, an offensive lineman? Because, again, I, I do think that is still a heavy need. Um, but Rashawn Slater, for example, of Northwestern, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? You know, we're kind of waiting for that arm length to, to maybe dictate that. Is it too high for a guy like Christian Darisaw, uh, Virginia Tech, or, or maybe Darisaw slides in and, and plays guard? Or do you kind of go with the best cornerback on the board? Is Patrick Sertain uh, the second from Alabama? Is, is that the direction they go? I will uh, unveil my pick here currently. Uh, I have them taking Gregory Rousseau from Miami, one of these uh, opt-out you know, declares from this past season. He did not play. Uh, but I remember sp speaking to his head coach, Manny Diaz, who um, a couple years ago was still the coordinator. And I remember him saying, you know, Greg Rousseau is, is a clone of Manny Lawson, whom he coached at North Carolina State. And so I've gotten mixed reviews in terms of that comparison because, you know, while Manny Lawson was a serviceable pro, I'm not sure that, you know, with the number 11 overall pick, that's the kind of production you want from, from a player of that caliber. You know, speaking of opt-outs, Rick, let me just back up for a moment because several top prospects did opt out from the uh, 2020 college season. How much difficult, how much more difficult is it now if you're a team scouting? Because now your film is from 2019 you know, another season has gone by and you don't really know, you know, what kind of condition the person in, how they're training and whatnot. So how does that kind of affect the whole evaluation process? Significantly, <laughs> you know, to elaborate on it, you know, you're, you're investing millions of dollars into players that uh, chances are you, you're not going to get to meet them in person. You're not going to get a chance to shake their hand, look them in the eye gauge their body language, figure out, you know, is, is this a player that has been coached up? Is he being genuine? These are all things, Patricia, as you know, you can gauge in person. 
that when you're restricted to a Zoom call, which is really what this process is going to be restricted to, uh, there will be no combine. Even in Mobile, uh, Jim Nagy had said that the interview process will remain virtual. So a lot of these opt-out guys who were underclassmen that do not get a chance to participate in the Senior Bowl, who will be lucky if we can get a medical and measurements on them with some kind of makeshift regionalized uh, combine series, which remains to be seen. You know, we, we mentioned Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. You know, here's a guy I've seen his height all over the board from, you know, six foot two up to six foot five. Uh, we don't know what his arms are. And that's a big deal when it comes to projecting players at the next level. And I think the other thing, too, is, you know, the small school players lose out once again. Uh, we saw a, a record low. Six players from the FCS level get selected in the NFL draft. That was down from 18 the previous year, which was a record all-time low. And unfortunately, I think the small school players kind of get left out of the mix once again. And, you know, you also have to wonder, Patricia, too, like, how does this look from an organizational organizational standpoint? Like, what do the optics look like if I need a quarterback and I'm the GM and I want to go out to one of these pro days or, or multiple pro days and scout my, you know, next franchise quarterback? Well, hey, now I've got a quarantine for two weeks before I can come back into the facility so does the GM kind of want to put himself out there? Does he want to designate one of his top scouts to make the scouting rounds? Does the director of personnel go out on the visits for the Giants? David Gettleman, obviously a high-risk candidate, being a cancer survivor. Does he really want to travel from campus to campus to campus looking at these players? So I, I think there's really a lot of uncertainty and the experienced you know, kind of veteran, veteran uh, scouting staff, I think, have the upper hand here because they have the relationships, uh, they know who to trust, and most importantly, the guys that have been doing this a long time, they get the callbacks because now you've got 32 separate teams contacting all these schools, trying to set up player interviews, trying to gather information, and guess what? <laughs> you know, it, it's not the school's uh, prerogative or best interest to help them get get to the next level. Now, they'll help out where they can, but it's going to be a whole different dynamic, a, a truly unprecedented draft season, whereas, you know, we saw most of the pro day circuit get wiped out last year. Now we're seeing a significant portion of the draft process, including all-star games, the combine, and possibly the pro days all being wiped out. Man, oh, man, oh, man, those film grades are going to be vital. It sure sounds like it, especially, and it also sounds like there's probably going to be a lot more uh, misses this year because of, uh, you know, the lack of all that information, that complete cache of information. But, Rick, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue talking about uh, the draft, and then we'll kind of spin it a little bit towards the Senior Bowl, which is coming up next week. So we'll be right back after this. With the ever-increasing number of auto makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait for the counterperson to order the parts on a computer? 
usually choosing the brands that the store happens to prefer. Instead, take your search for your auto parts to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all your auto parts and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpeting. Whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season And the NFL has some big matchups coming up as the 2020 regular season comes to a close and the playoff picture becomes clearer. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Welcome back, Giant fans. Segment two of Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you. And Rick Saratella of NFL Draft Bible is today's special guest. Does a really good job. If you are not checking out his work, please do so. You will become a lot more familiar with the draft. And Rick always has some really good insights that you will not find anywhere else. And Rick, just continuing on with, with talk of the this year's draft class. I mean, uh, you, you mentioned that the whole this is a whole new world i mean it, this time last year i think the last event we all were able to go to prior to the pandemic being declared was the combine and mm-hmm. you know it, we began to see the changes at that point with pro days being canceled and everything like that how if 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 there is a way i don't know maybe there is maybe there isn't but how does a team kind of compensate for the lack of the in-person stuff i mean can you do it effectively in your opinion you can do it how effective you can be i think is limited because again it's all a virtual experience um you know i just take the wonderlick for example and some of these psychiatric tests that these players do at the combine in person where you know there's someone supervising the room you're taking a test there's kind of somewhat tension and pressure in the room. And now, you know, you do that virtually. Well, hey, how does that look when you've got 100 guys on a Zoom room taking a test? How do you track? Are, are they cheating? Are they looking at their phone? How do you monitor something like that? And I think that's where the biggest busts 
do occur. And I, I think, you know, the, the fact that the 40-yard dash times might be taken away, I, I think we can still survive with the film grade. I think where, pe- where teams mess up is they don't they, – they misjudge the character or the player fools them because you couldn't gauge what's between the ears, what's in their heart, how passionate about the game are they, you know, do they love the game of football. These are all, you know, kind of uh, – variable factors that you can pick up during an in-person conversation or even being at the schools, right? Being down on the field, like we were, we were shut out from the scouting process in terms of, you know, having scout credential access, being on the field, talking to the coaches, talking to the cafeteria worker. I'm a lot of times out in the parking lot talking to the kids' parents at the tailgate, who they're hanging out with, who's in their entourage, who, who, who surrounds this person. Do I want to invest my money into this person because the more i do this the more i realize you're not investing in the talent you're investing in the individual and i think again when when you don't have the opportunity to hire an employee and have the chance to talk to them in person and sit them down face to face it's a hard thing to do yeah it it definitely sounds like that and um you know i just have a feeling there's going to be a lot of teams that you know are, are maybe going to have a few more misses but let's talk more um, about the Giants need you mentioned that you had Greg Rousseau as your pick for the Giants at number 11 other needs the Giants have obviously wide receiver um, you can make a case for cornerback too so if you have Rousseau going in the first round to the Giants where is the best value for the Giants in terms of getting a receiver say on day two and, and, and a cornerback maybe on, on day two and, and who do you like as being fits for those guys, for, for the giants at those spots? Yeah, I think day two is a, is a great value play for the wide receiver position where, you know, you might not get the top tier talent of a DeMar Chase or a Devonta Smith, but, you know, does a Rashad Bateman from Minnesota or a Terrence Marshall, from LSU, who's a big body, six foot three, six foot four type of receiver, I would I would hope the Giants target a boundary wide out. Um, you know, I think they need a playmaker on the outside, even a Seth Williams from Auburn, who could maybe be a third round target, um, is capable of playing on the outside. So Tyler Vaughn from USC, if, if you saw what Michael Pittman did down the stretch for the Colts, um, you know. Tyler Vaughn from USC brings a lot of similar size and speed attributes and, and somebody who, who may not have that ultimate like huge upside, but you're getting a, a, a dependable, solid player that can come in, compete immediately, and you can probably get them in, in round two or round three. Um, in terms of cornerbacks, you know, for, for us right now, you know, Patrick Sertain, J.C. Horn from South Carolina, who I think is kind of under the radar a little bit right now, and Caleb Farley are probably the three, you know, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, those are the three corners that seem to be consensus first-round picks at this point in time. Um, if you remember Obi Melifanu, he's got a brother coming out of Syracuse, uh, Ify Melifanu, and he's about six foot three, 218 pounds. He's been timed in, in the sub-four four range. He's got fluid hips where he's, he can survive at, at, at the cornerback position now at the next level. He may be even 
a dark horse round one candidate. But I think at, at 43, if you come back and get Melisandre out of Syracuse, that could be a strong possibility. Uh, Paulson Adebo from Stanford, he's a day two corner who I had a chance to see when I, when I went out west last year on the scouting trails. Paulson Adebo was a guy just body beautiful, uh, looked apart, physical, man coverage corner. And I think he's a guy, again, that can come in, uh, immediately compete for starting time and playing time. And then I'll give you a, a, an under-the-radar guy, uh, Central Arkansas, Robert Rochelle. Uh, here's a guy, you talk about the FCS now, not a lot of guys from the FCS will be drafted. But Robert Rochelle, I, I think if he doesn't go on day two, by early day three, he should be off the board. He's another one of these, you know, six foot long, lengthy corners who runs extremely fast, extremely fast. Maybe one of the fastest players in this year's draft. So those are a couple of names I would keep in mind here. Interesting stuff there, as always. Um, now let's talk a little bit about the Senior Bowl, which is coming up next week. I, I think as we record this. I don't believe the rosters are set. They're almost set. But who are some of the names that you think Giant fans should keep an eye on at the Senior Bowl next week? Yeah, so they're still you know, fine-tuning uh, what the roster looks like. But the good news is you know, we talk about the offensive line and, and whether, whether it's tackle, guard. Um, you know, I think they're pretty good at center there with Gates. But – the good news is there's a lot of offensive linemen that are going to be down in Mobile and a lot of guys who the Giants could target in, in the middle rounds. For example, uh, Trey Smith from Tennessee. If you were to tell me the Giants were going to select Trey Smith at number 11, sign me up. I'm on board. Man, on, on film, he's a top 10 talent. However, we don't know what the medical looks like. Trey Smith has had multiple blood clotting issues in his lungs, which is, you know, supposedly in the clear, hasn't had any issues in the last several years. But what does that medical check look like? And he'll be down in Mobile where he won't get a medical evaluation, but he'll get a chance to state his case, showcase his dominance like he did as a four-year starter in the SEC. Um, and then Aaron Banks, if you want an interior guy, Aaron Banks and Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame, these two guys, um, I think they, they could, you know, be starters from, from Jump Street. And so they'll be down in Mobile, as will Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. You can argue there, there's maybe, you know, a, a three or four guys. I can count on one hand how many tackles in this year's draft class have left tackle tendencies. And Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State is one of those players who could potentially play left tackle at the next level. He's just that talented with that much size, great athleticism, and a proven body of work. So I think offensive line is really where, you know, Landon Dickerson uh, of Alabama is another interior guy who can play all three positions. Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. So you want the, you want the big-name schools? They got that, too. Leatherwood will play uh, – offensive tackle the entire week according to Jim Nagy there's some people who feel like he may be better suited at guard or center but he will play strictly at tackle and then you know keep an eye on these two guys Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa Dylan Ray Duns 
from North Dakota State. Again, two of the small school guys. Uh, anybody who follows us at the NFL Draft Bible knows we love to, to shine the spotlight on the under-the-radar prospects. But Spencer Brown and, and Dylan Ray Duns, if they're still under your radar, well, they shouldn't be after the week in Mobile because these guys, even though they play at the FCS level, that's why I love the Senior Bowl because it gives guys such as Dylan Ray Duns and Spencer Brown the platform to compete at the highest level against players in the Power Five Conference. And I think when the when it's all said and done, at the end of the week, those two guys are going to benefit greatly and, and be big winners uh, from the week down in Mobile. Now, I'm just wondering, um, I, I don't know if you've had a chance to speak with Jim Nagy, but from a scouting perspective, how much different is, is the format going to be? I mean, are, are, I, I'm covering it virtually, so this is my first time with any capacity in covering the Senior Bowl. But, you know, what what can you tell us, if, if anything, about how – how this thing might shape out. Yeah, I, I, I did have a chance to talk to him a little bit last week, Jim Nagy, that is, and it's going to look a lot different. Um, first off, team personnel are restricted. And from my understanding, teams were forced to buy a luxury box if they wished to attend the Senior Bowl to help offset some of the costs of COVID testing. And, and these... You know, these luxury boxes um, cost a pretty penny. And so it's restricted. Each NFL team will ha- will be able to have up to 10 uh, personnel in attendance, which is a stark difference in years past. You may have upwards of, uh, of 20 or, or 30 representatives from each team <laughs> at the Senior Bowl. And so the other thing, you know, when I spoke to him as of uh, a week ago, which you know, we're here in mid-January. Um, he did say there was 120 credentialized NFL scouts who will be in attendance. They'll have 60 scouts in each end zone roped off completely um, surrounded by security so that nobody can interact with the NFL scouts because they will have an opportunity to uh, at least interact with these players somewhat, I believe, on the field after practice. But again, the virtual interviews, uh, all interviews will be done virtual, as will media interviews uh, will be conducted virtual. So a very, very different look, a very different feel. You know, a lot of people go down to the Senior Bowl for the networking experience. Uh, A lot of individuals that are looking to uh, find work or get hired and you know, also you have to remember a lot of agents would go there to talk about the upcoming <laughs> free agency, right? And so the, the senior bowl and the combine was kind of the the uh the negotiating period for for you know uh the free agent you know, the upcoming free agency. So I think we lose a lot of different avenues, a lot of different angles. And, you know, kudos to Jim Nagy and his staff though, because you know what? They they took a stance. They said we're going to pull this thing off, and it looks like they're going to do it. You know, we're we're still holding our breath. We're we're about a week away from the event, but it looks like all indications are this event's going to go off, and it's going to serve a huge purpose. Now, in terms of on the field, it's going to look a lot like you know it might be somewhat you know restricted 
you know, not as much contact and, and one-on-ones as in years past, but there's still going to be a game. There's still going to be a full week of practice, and there's still going to be a chance for teams to evaluate uh, the top 100 or, or 120 or so prospects. So we're looking forward to it. We'll, we'll have a couple guys floating around down there. We'll be doing uh, some player interviews throughout the week on the NFLDraftBible.com and uh, trying to tell their, their stories and, and bring these names to the forefront. Exciting stuff. And we, of course, will be checking it out. We're going to take our final break. And, Rick, before we close out, we'll talk a little bit about the current state of the Giants. So stay with us, folks. Hey, Giant fans, this is Patricia Trena, host of the Locked on Giants podcast. If you're looking for a way to keep Giants football in the forefront during this offseason, pick up a copy of my new book, The Big 50 New York Giants, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. This 350-plus page book takes a deep dive into the rich history of the Giants franchise, covering every era with stories, photos, and more that take you behind the headlines. The Big 50 New York Giants is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, TriumphBooks.com, and wherever books are sold. Pick up your copy today, and thank you to everyone for your support. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with Rick Saratella of NFL Draft Bible. Does a really great job. Check him out. He's moving to the SI Fan Nation Network uh, next week. His, his content is really worth the read. And, Rick, I, I have to ask you about the, the current state of the New York Giants. I can't let you go without, you know, asking you about that. Um, the biggest issue, I obviously, was with the offense. And, you know, we talked about – the offensive line a little earlier and whatnot, but from your perspective, you know, we know they need a receiver because Golden Tate's probably not in the future, but where else might the Giants be looking to upgrade on that offense that maybe not a lot of people are talking about? Well, you know, the, the possibility of Kyle Pitts kind of sliding outside of the top 10 does exist. And, for whatever it's worth, I have Kyle Pitts rated higher than TJ Hawkinson, who I think went number eight overall, I want to say, to the Lions. But, you know, if he should slide, despite having Evan Ingram on the roster, and, and I, I think he's here to, to stay despite what Giant fans uh, might want, but wouldn't it be interesting if you paired a Kyle Pitts with a – Evan Ingram, and to me, Kyle Pitts is like, you know, the reincarnation of just a Shannon Sharp, but bigger, like Shannon Sharp part two. (laughs) And so, like, now, if you think back, and I hate to say the name, but if you think back to, to the Gronk and the Aaron Hernandez dynamic that the Patriots had and how they were clicking with that two tight end kind of weaponry, And I think that's what Daniel Jones could really benefit from, you know, playing some 12 personnel and having those two tight ends to throw to, because let's be honest, he is got to get rid of the ball in under 2.5 seconds. or He's like, uh, you know, going to be under duress. And that's what we've seen. And I think, you know, one thing that I did appreciate from Eli Manning towards Uh, the twilight of his career, while the accuracy may have wavered a little bit, 
I think what people kind of overlooked was how much pressure, how much duress Eli Manning actually was under and what a great job he did at the end of his career. I mean, Eli was, if you look, he was getting rid of the ball within two seconds. And I think that's the one area where Daniel Jones has to do a better job of having that mental clock, getting rid of the ball, and understanding that, hey, you know what? One Mississippi, two Mississippi, get rid of the ball. And having a two-tight end type of situation, I think, can maybe lessen the, the, the pressure for Daniel Jones to look downfield because until they do patch up that offensive line and it's gotten better, but it still has some work to be done. And until, until they can get them maybe three seconds to get rid of the ball, then, you know, they need to patch that up. But in the meantime, like let's, let, let's have some, some uh, checkoffs that Daniel Jones can throw to. And I think a Kyle Pitts, Evan Ingram marriage could could you know work some wonders here for this offense it also kind of takes some of the pressure it alleviates you know uh evan ingram from the spotlight right so like all right well you know his drops aren't really magnified as much because he's not really the key focus he's kind of a complimentary part now and i think if they can't get that big playmaker wide receiver at 11 well then if kind of pitch slides i think that could maybe be uh, a selection that maybe people aren't really focusing on because Evan Ingram is there and they did use a high pick on Ingram, but, you know, adding a guy like Pitts could really be a game changer. You know, you mentioned Daniel Jones, you know, for some people, the jury is still out on him because he didn't quite take the leap that everybody was expecting. But then again, I don't know if anybody really defined what kind of leap they were looking for from him. When you look at you know, his year two, how much of it was, you know, him still doing things that he was maybe doing as a rookie or not doing? And how much of it was a combination of the supporting cast? Yeah, you know, I think I think the supporting cast has a lot to do with it. I also think some of the coaching, you know, and I think Joe Judge, when you look at the whole body of work, did a good job. But I thought that uh, his inexperience showed a little bit when he threw Daniel Jones in there uh, the first game back from the hamstring, hamstring where I, I don't believe he was fully recovered and his style of play showed that. You know, I thought his ability to scramble had been taken away from him. And I thought it was a poor decision to kind of throw him to the wolves back there. And he got clobbered in, in that game. I, I don't know how many sacks they winded up with, but I think the concerning thing is what you saw there at Duke when the pocket collapsed, turnovers happened. And I, I think, you know, Daniel Jones, again, had a turnover, at least one turnover in every game except one. And so that's where, again, you, you, you've got to protect the football and whether that means, you know, hold, you know, ho holding on to the football and not fumbling it or getting rid of it and, and, and you know, just, throwing the ball away instead of forcing it in a tight window. Those are the little things that Daniel Jones needs to kind of enhance. But you have to be careful because what they did there when they throw him behind the line not being 100% healthy, you know, at a certain point in time when somebody's constantly getting pressure, constantly getting hit, constantly getting sacked, you know, you can kill a quarterback's confidence and so you've got to be careful of that. And I think that's why they've got to still continue to put a major emphasis on upgrading the offensive line. It's just, it's not where it needs to be yet. I know it's 
you know, continually trying to be upgraded. It's just not made enough progress. Yeah, the Giants, I, I, I've been saying all along that that offensive line is just not a complete pro- process yet. I mean, I, I think the jury's still out a little bit on Matt Parrott and whether or not he could be the full-time right tackle. And I have no idea what they're going to do with the guards. I mean, Will Hernandez just kind of fell out of a, a favor there, you know, after the COVID diagnosis and never got his starting job back. But Rick, before I let you go, I, I do have to ask you about the Giants defense. I mean, that unit played really well. We talked about maybe needing a corner too, but when you go and you look at the dilemma that general manager Dave Gettleman is going to have, whether to re-sign Dalvin Tomlinson or Leonard Williams, because I don't think they're just they're going to be able to afford both. I would be stunned. If you're Gettleman, which one do you put the priority on and why? Well, I think Leonard Williams was one of the most underrated players in the league. And you take a look at how much pressure he creates and his ability to get after the quarterback. And it doesn't always show up in the stat box. And I think he had double-digit sacks this year. But when you look at the pressures and the tackles for loss and then the QB hits, right? These are numbers that don't show up in the box score, but they show up in the film room. And then you factor in what you what you gave up in compensation. You know, they gave up a couple picks to obtain Leonard Williams. I think Leonard Williams, outside of Aaron Donald, I mean, this, this, this is one of the premier defensive linemen in the league. So to me, he would be the, the, the priority. And then, you know, we talked about Kyle Pitts possibly sliding. Well, on the defensive side, what if a guy like Micah Parsons from Penn State slides? You know, give, give me a premier linebacker who now, you know, can can be used in situational pass rush uh, mode too. Like he, he's 245, 250, can run in the 4-4 range. I mean, it's insane the kind of athleticism and size that Micah Parsons brings. And the Giants haven't had a transcending linebacker since the 80s. Man, I would love to see Micah Parsons uh, man, man, the uh, linebacker spot there with, next to Blake Martinez, and and bring back some of that uh, linebacker lore of the glory days. And, and, and Micah Parsons, you give me that guy, and, and you know you combo him with a Leonard Williams, and you know now you're kind of starting to rebuild up that defense again. And uh, you know I thought Marcus Golden, they kind of gave him away for a bag of chips, but he he was a productive player for them over the last year and a half and I, I I think now he creates a little bit of a void uh in terms of being able to get after the quarterback. I think the Giants still do need to find somebody that can kind of compensate for that loss. Yeah. Um I agree with you about Marcus Gold and I I hated to see him go, but you know what, when they signed him to that contract to be honest with you, I kind of suspected that that's what they were going to ultimately end up doing. And sure enough, they did. But uh, look, onward and upward. And it's going to be interesting for Dave Gettleman because he only has six picks in this draft coming up. Unless uh, something breaks where he has a trade and gets more, he's not getting any more comp picks. Um, so really a challenging time between that and also the, the salary cap dropping to potentially, you know, 175, between 175 and 180, I think is, is the range I saw. So mm-hmm. it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a challenge for sure for the Giants to 
add what they need, I think, to the to this roster. Well, the good news is uh, the division is wide open, right? We saw that we saw that this past season. It's it's up for grabs, right? Nobody wants to win it. So you know they they can they can kind of solidify some things. They're not too far off. I mean, you know, despite the record, they they were a game or two away from winning the division. So you know, can they can they kind of like reload and rebuild on the fly? I think they can. I think they can compete for the division. And you know, as you know, once you're in, once you're in the playoffs, anybody you know get 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 hot at the right time. We saw the Giants, I think, win two Super Bowls as as the wild card. So um, you know, just get in the big dance, and I think they have a chance to do that. But they will have to certainly protect Daniel Jones, certainly provide him with more weapons, and then just you know shore up some of the holes on the defensive side, uh, solidify that secondary, find themselves another corner. Uh, you know, as, as much as I would like Micah Parsons, I, I think it's, you know, more of a luxury than a necessity to add a linebacker. But I think, you know, upgrading the pass rush, uh, bringing back Leonard Williams, and then maybe adding a corner on defense. And to me, on offense, it's like, hey, it's all about reinforcing the offensive line, adding another playmaker, Saquon Barkley, can can really be a huge boost if you look at you know basically that's like adding another marquee player next year because he was out all season so what does it look like once he comes back and you start adding some pieces around that you know the Giants have a chance here to win the division and really you know it's anybody's race after that so I, I think they're in position to do that you got to stay optimistic you, you got to hope that Joe Judge continues to build off of the momentum Patrick Graham uh, a guy that you know got a little bit of interest here from from some other teams and so they've got a good coordinator they've got a good head coach uh, some questions remain to be answered but they got a shot yes they do and Rick great stuff really appreciate it before we say goodbye just tell everybody what you got coming up on NFL draft Bible yeah, you know, we're going to be down at the Senior Bowl uh, with live stream shows. We, we air weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible. We'll be unleashing all of our rankings, uh, scouting reports. We have some really cool things in the works, of course, launching on uh, the Fan Nation platform, joining you there with the Sports Illustrated affiliate. But the best way to, to follow everything we do is, is probably on Twitter at NFL Draft bible and we appreciate the love and support and uh patricia always a pleasure uh coming on talking football with you and really getting to uh interact and hear from your loyal listening audience because every time i come on your show i always get uh people chiming in and i I love that interaction i love hearing from the fans and you have as loyal of a fan base and following as anybody especially when it comes to the New York Giants. You've been covering them for so long. So it's always a, a pleasure, and it's always always enjoyable to just hear from the fans, right, whether whether they like or, or dislike what I said. It's just great to know that they tune in. They really care. They're so passionate. And, and the following that you've built up uh, over the last couple decades here is really a testament to all the hard work and and time that you put into it. So uh, thank you for everything that you do. And thank you for having me on your show again. 
Well, thank you, Rick. And it's, it is all about the fans. I mean, without the fans, who would listen to us? Who would read our stuff? So, yes, they are very much important. And uh, I want to thank the fans for tuning in today uh, to listen to this show. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Rick is always a treasure trove of information when it comes to the draft stuff. Make sure you're checking out NFL Draft Bible. Um, lots of great stuff coming up on Rick's site. And fans, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll pick up with the last remaining position reviews from 2020. We, you know, just kind of bumped into that schedule to fit Rick in, uh, which uh, I thought was a really good listen. So until tomorrow, fans, uh, have a good, great one, and we'll talk soon. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.